0: podo
1: you're listening to movers and shakers a podcast about living with parkinson's the show is generously sponsored by boardwave an exclusive european networking community for software ceos boardwave is a passionate supporter of cure parkinson's For more details on the charity's progress around research and its fundraising, please visit cureparkinsons.org.uk. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Movers and Shakers, the podcast about living with Parkinson's. I'm Rory Kathleen jones and with me, not in the pub, but electronically on a video conferencing app are, well, let's see. Nicholas Mostyn.
2: Lillian Lacey Solomon.
1: Mark Roddell. And Paul Mayhew-Archer. Hooray! And it's because of Paul that we've all come together, apart from Jeremy, who's somewhere exotic with no decent web connection, because you will, I'm sure, remember that Paul has had his deep brain stimulation operation before Christmas, but the system was only going to be switched on in January. So we wanted to bring you an update and do it before our third series gets underway in mid-February. Paul, first of all, remind us what DBS is. And how your op went.
0: Yes, and can I start by saying a bit of advice for listeners considering deep brain stimulation? Because I put DBS in my search engine and it said this. For standard and enhanced DBS checks, extensive background checks on the individual are carried out which will highlight if the applicant has any spent or unspent convictions, cautions, reprimands or warnings. It will also detail any information the police currently hold on record for this individual. Luckily, I realised that I got the wrong DBS, the Disclosure and Barring Service. And this got me wondering how many people with Parkinson's have wound up revealing a criminal past. And indeed, how many criminals have wound up on an operating theatre having electrodes inserted? I've got a
3: DBS certificate.
0: Have you got one? I have. This is all very useful, but what is DBS? Well, yes, it's brain stimulation. And what happens is that holes are drilled into your skull and electrodes are inserted into the holes and targeted at specific bits of the brain. And the wires are clumped together. You can feel a lump on the side of my head here. Oh, Uh, I think at a previous meeting, did someone touch it? Have a feel of the lump.
4: Jeremy was horrified by it, wasn't he? Yes.
0: And someone said, I think uh, someone noticed that they were doing this and having a feel of my lump, (laughs) as it were. And they said it looked as though they were searching for nits. The wire then go down through the neck, and I think this is right, and into a sort of battery pack in my chest, and then I can be switched on.
1: But what's it for? What is deep brain stimulation for?
0: Well, it's it's sort of it pulses per second. It does between uh, 60 and 200 pulses per second. And it sort of just um, enlivens your brain, doesn't it? It sort of gets bits of the brain
2: going. Isn't that right, Julian? You've also it. Do you know what? I have no idea. When somebody sat down to explain it, it was whoosh, explanation was way over my head, even with the electrodes in. It does stimulate bits of the brain,
0: and it's targeted at different bits of the brain depending on which bits they want to stimulate.
2: And that bit is really clever. The old ones are just kind of generic, I think. They just stimulate everything equally. And these new ones, they do. And I don't know about you, Paul, but I have to have mine keep away from a bit of the brain called the limbic area, which is where all the emotions are. Otherwise, i go bananas.
3: Oh, blimey. I don't suppose we, between us, we're ever going to be able to work out how it works. <laughs>
2: I don't know how they even thought of it. I mean, how do you think about it? Why don't we put two... Well, we've been treating brains gray. with
3: electricity for quite a long time with ECT. Yeah. But I don't know whether this has anything analogy with e- ECT at all. And ECT's got a very bad image, hasn't it? So, a lot of psychiatrists are very are very great believers in it, though. Is it meant to
0: stimulate it so you can do what for better? Well, I don't know. I wasn't at all certain about having it at first. And because the first person I encountered who had it was a chap called John Foster and he was a children's poet and John had DBS to stop his arm shaking because it used to upset children when he read to them and obviously we wanted I recorded it for my documentary Parkinson's the funny side and we wanted to see how bad the shaking was but being responsible broadcasters we made sure there were no children around when we uh, turned his DBS off and what's him shaking like crazy I mean it was extraordinary but then of course. They put the program out hours before the watershed, so even toddlers could see it and see it shaking. Anyway, the thing is that was the first one, and I didn't have a tremor. I don't have a shake, so it wasn't uh, sort of applicable to me. And then Julie and I were very worried when we a friend, the brother of deep dear friend of ours, died a couple of weeks after having the operation. So you might ask, why did I have to have it? And I think I had it decided to have it was, was because well, several reasons really. First of all, the, the neurologists didn't promise the earth, the, the surgeons and people, they didn't promise the earth. They said what it wouldn't do and what it could do. And what they said it could do would be to speed up my movements, help with dyskinesia, so that I wouldn't be jerking around so much, and face pulling. And as you said before, we started this afternoon, I seem younger. Yes. Yeah. And I think the big change is it's, it's sort of enlivened my facial features, enlivened my muscles, it it stops me being on and off quite so abruptly. That was one of the things that I was after. Because particularly at night, when I need to go to the loo, I'm incredibly slow because my, my Parkinson's medications have worn off by then. So I've got nothing to rely on at all. And now I have this deep brain chugging away 24 hours a day. So it's still there in the middle of the night chugging away, and that helps me move a bit quicker. And also it helps with my balance for some reason. I don't know why. And about five days before it was switched on, I toppled over sideways, which is really scary. I mean, I know we've all toppled over at times, but to go sideways was really quite quite alarming. And so there were these things that it did. That's why I decided to have it done. And also because Gillian said it was marvellous and others have said it was, it was fantastic as well. So I thought, yes, I will have it. I will go for it. When we saw Julie, she was really worried. Wasn't Julie she, was about worried about it. Yeah. Julie has always been very worried about it. Well, in fact, when I was having the operation, and quite rightly in a way, I mean, it is ridiculous, you know, because I was gung hoing it into an operation where they were going to drill holes in my head. I mean, when you think about it, that is quite an extraordinary thing to happen. Uh, she was very worried about it. They found her wandering around the hospital, you know, in a state of nervous tension and anxiety. Because I was in there for six hours. That is a hell of a long time to be, you know, and I'd never been in hospital before, never spent a night in hospital before, never been operated on before. And suddenly I'm going in for this major operation, not really aware of the consequences or, you know, totally aware of what could happen, I suppose. And she was sort of left outside, sort of worrying. She did all the worrying for both of us, I think.
1: So you had the operation, and then some weeks later, at the beginning of January, you go back in, and what happens?
0: What happens then is, and I have to say, I'd got a bit depressed in between times because I hadn't been switched on and waiting to be switched on. I was getting a bit sort of low. I don't know why, but it just I was getting impatient for, for something to happen. So I go in on the 2nd of January. And the first thing is that you have to be off. You have to be off your meds because they want to see what effect the, the DBS has on its own. I hate being off. I hate the sort of the complete uselessness and hopelessness of myself when I'm completely off. I can barely move. I'm sort of shuffling forward slightly. So anyway, I went in and it's not, there is no ta-da moment, I have to say, with my particular thing. But the machine is turned on. The electrodes are alerted. You feel nothing. Well, I felt nothing. I could hear nothing. There was nothing at all there. And the, the, the wonderful woman Claire, had the computer with her, and she then spent three hours tweaking the little bits, the speed of the the pulses. And every time she changed one slightly, just made a slight adjustment, she then sort of exercised my arm in all the different movements of the arm, the elbow, the wrist. And she would get the arm. The, and what she was trying to do was decog me. Have you heard of cogging? no. She said, "Um when when you've got Parkinson's and everything, all the muscles stiffen up, it's important to to because then it's like a ratchet, your muscles move, they move like ratchet or cogs going through wheels, and what she's trying to do is to smooth out all that so you you're moving much more naturally, And it's the same, I suppose, with the facial muscles and all the things. So you, she's just using the arm as an example of what she sort of was trying to do. But she did it for you, did she, Paul?" She was doing it for me. What she was trying to do was just uh, hold my arm very gently and guide it. And she could tell if there was any resistance to this or if my arm became more... Sm- and as she was doing it, my arm became smoother. The, the muscles sort
2: of stopped interrupting her. That's so interesting because it couldn't have been more different from mine. You said there wasn't a ta-da moment. No. Mine was nothing but ta moments. Mine was to da to the you know, power of a thousand.
1: So how long did that session last?
2: Three and a half
1: hours. What happened next? You you went home and you, you so felt... So
2: three and a half hours,
0: and I felt much better. And then I could take my tablets. I was allowed to take my tablets. And I hadn't been able to drink anything at all. So um, when we got into the car, Judy said, would you like a mug of coffee? Because she'd bought a thermos of coffee. And uh, she sort of got her revenge for all the worries I'd be, uh, I'd inflicted upon her. Because I got the, the, the mug of coffee and I was just raising it to my lips when she drove over a speed bump.
3: <laughs> Is the treatment or the pulses, are they pre-programmed to work periodically or do you turn them on responsibly to going off?
0: No, they're, they're on all the time. I see. They're on 24 hours a day. Because Gillian, told me, so my
3: memory serves me correctly, right? Gillian used to turn it off and on as required, didn't you?
2: Well, not quite. No. I'm not supposed to turn it off and on if they said but I, I found that if I swim with it on, I drown. very good reason for turning it off. You turn it off for swimming. I turn it off for swimming. I only turn it off for swimming.
0: They do not recommend that you turn it off, really. You know How has it developed since then? What, what have you felt? Well, since then, the first night, because I was going to email everybody and say, this is hunky doy, hooray, hooray, hooray. And the first night I suffered really severe cramps in bed. I'd had the odd cramp before. Um, But as soon as I put my foot on the floor, the cramp would go. And this time I put my feet on the floor and I had cramp in both feet and the backs of both legs. And I put them on the floor and I still had the cramps. And I thought, oh, my God, if it's going to be like this, I'm really going to ask them to take it out again or do something. But I haven't had any problems at all since. None at all. People keep telling me I feel, you know, I look better. You do. I don't fall asleep in the middle of my meal. I find it easier to go to the loo in the night. I can make... Uh, Your face is less lined than it was. Is it? That's because
1: he's put Vaseline on the webcam.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So you sleep less generally, or during the day anyway, you sleep less?
0: I sleep less generally during the day, but sleep better at night. And it's just given me so much confidence, that's the thing. And so much more spirit. It encourages me. It gives me a sort of energy to do things. I hadn't expected it to do because they don't say it's going to help your mood particularly it's to
2: do with motor symptoms isn't it really? The whole limbic bit of the brain I'm talking about is all about emotion and mood yeah so it has a relevant an impact on that. But for me, in my case, a lot of it can be negative. So
3: but I, I thought you said that they tried to avoid that area.
2: If, well, for me, in my case, because it's negative. For me, it's negative when they go too much into that area.
3: But mm. I would have thought that they'd want to avoid it for everybody. You wouldn't want to be fiddling around with people's emotion.
2: I don't know. If it has a positive effect, then I would have thought you do want to fiddle around with it. I don't know. And is the idea
3: of this, is this going to stay? see you out, this one? This thing, does it stay in or do you ever have a replacement, Gillian? I mean, what happens?
2: You're not really supposed to have a replacement, but the technology is getting better and better and better. So, for example, as I said, you can now direct the beam in a certain way. So for me, it's, again, away from the limbic area and towards some other areas. And so I suppose the better the technology gets, maybe the more the incentive to give you a better...
0: How long does your battery last, Gillian?
2: If I charge it every week, as I've been told to do, it lasts 15, 20 years.
0: Yes, mine's 25 years now.
3: Is the battery pack under your skin?
0: Yes.
1: I wrote something about this last year. The new method, which is supposed to be quicker and, and better, involves putting the battery pack in your brain as well.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah, it's much smaller. So instead of having this great big thing under your your skin, it's it's basically straight into your brain, as far as I understand it.
4: Oh, just going back to the operation. Were not you terrified of the idea of somebody fiddling around inside your brain?
0: Um, strangely not. Actually, the thing that really terrified me and it would have made it impossible for me to have the the operation is if they'd still doing if they were still doing it when you're conscious and awake. Right. I must read you this because I thought this was hilarious. This bit about being awake during the operation. They said this company that does it when you're awake. Once the surgery begins, we drill two holes into the skull. Drilling only lasts about two to three minutes. but this, And this is not painful, but the drill is loud and can be disturbing. At certain points during the surgery, we will ask for your help. Presumably, can you hold the scalpel while I have a sip of coffee? And uh, they will. We will ask you to hold out your arm or tap your fingers. No, so that's not what
1: happened. You didn't have
0: so that. That's not happened. It doesn't happen. And I would not have had the DBS if it had been like that.
2: But there, if one of those, you know, all these memoirs done by neurologists at the moment, one of them, I'm not allowed to read any of them because they ups- they would upset me. Allegedly, <laughs> so I get the rest of the family to read them. But there's one bit which is, does discuss this very operation, and the person was being operated on. Awake, and they put the electrodes in, and they said, "How does this feel?" And the person said, "I feel unutterably sad." Yeah. And they took them out and moved them by I think one or two millimeters, and it was fine. Mm. So that's the I suppose the advantage that they have to get it in exactly the right spot because of this limbic thing because of the emotions.
0: Yeah.
1: one would think that this was a kind of replacement almost rather than a, a supplement of medication. One would think that your medication would change. Is that that not the case?
0: mine oh, mine is still the same at the moment but we have another adjustment in 6 weeks time
1: is there a possibility that for instance you might take fewer drugs
0: i don't know they haven't said that that's not one of the things they've they said it will improve they said you go on taking the same amount of drugs but i suppose there's a bit of possibility that i won't have to increase them as much or as often
2: i mean i was on such a high dose they were horrified when they found out how high a dose i was on mm-hmm. so they halved mine straight after
1: It did act as a replacement for part of your drugs.
2: Oh, absolutely. For half my drugs, I'm a very significant proportion.
3: You'd like to think that if it's improving all the various impairments, that the drugs that were addressing those very impairments wouldn't be necessary, or at least not to the same extent.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, in some days, I haven't taken the full amount of uh, drugs that I need. Can
3: I ask you a very important
0: question? As a comedic
3: writer, has DBS given you any good new jokes? It's given me some good new jokes. Not that. Can we have? A, are we allowed to have a preview?
0: No. Not going to waste them on
3: you, Nick. <laughs> well, they're not wasted on me. I'm going to sort of play on, play on. Everything's electrifying now, and things of that nature.
4: You kept it under your hat that you were having. How long were you on a
0: waiting list for? Not very long, really. It happened quite quickly. We know Mark. That the thing
3: that's most debilitating and psychologically afflicting for you is the, is your ever diminishing voice.
4: Yes, I don't think it's ever-diminishing, actually. I think it's... Uh, it seems better
3: today, actually, I must say. been doing exercises, so I don't Not think... sound better, but does um, DBS do anything to, to, about voice?
2: Yes, it makes it a lot worse. Yes.
4: Mm. Your voice doesn't seem to have changed at all, Paul. I mean, that's something you're worried about.
2: Well, thank goodness
0: for that. Julie can't hear me at all. You, you, you have got a habit of putting your hand over your
1: mouth, as you have at the moment, so I don't think that helps. <laughs>
0: I don't know. That's an odd thing. I have a habit of doing that. I have a habit of looking away as though I don't want to get eye contact. And I don't know why. Whether that's because I'm embarrassed or whether I'm it's awkward or. I'm trying to... I don't know what it is.
3: DBS actually can make the, the voice affliction worse.
2: Yes, it can. I think it makes it a lot worse. Yes, I'm afraid. Why
3: would the electricity make the voice
2: worse? I just don't know how, what the mechanism I'm
4: intrigued about how this actually works, though, because neither of you seem to know exactly what it stimulates. And, I mean, obviously this isn't the case, otherwise it would happen. But one wonders whether it would be possible or why it isn't possible just to stimulate the hell out of the Parkinson's. I mean why why can't the electricity replace the dopamine entirely or replace its functions because it seems to do some of that this is why i was zeroing in on the question of
1: how does it affect your medication this was a radical new treatment for parkinsons it always sounded to me like it would be an alternative to drugs so i don't quite yeah. understand i mean it does appear to be partially maybe maybe it's it's a procedure which is still in evolution because it is gillian and all had very different experiences.
3: I can't see how electricity in the brain can re- replace the deficit of dopamine.
4: Well, it does. Say, I don't, I'm not saying it does. I mean, I don't know, but it's basically replacing the, the electric
1: current that, that dopamine produces.
0: Yes. I mean, you're quite right, Mark. I mean, why have I done this? I mean, I, I don't at, at heart know exactly, except that it seems to be working. That's mom so why don't we wind this up by
1: working out what we all feel about dbs now i mean i'll go first because my my consultant has raised it and i was rather shocked when he raised it thinking i don't need that but he said there's a long waiting list and i might as well look at going on the waiting list but i'm still pretty dubious about it although a little less so seeing how well
3: paul looks um What about you, Judge? What's your feeling? Well, I am a very evidence-based person and I like evidence to support a proposition. But I have got good evidence here because Paul is appreciably better. There is no doubt, since when I've last seen him, he looks younger, he looks less tired, he looks, his face is less lined. His hair is fuller. It might just be because he's just been the hairdresser. I don't know. But he is looking and he is sounding a lot better. And there is no doubt about that. I still remain bemused as to how this system works. I don't understand how electricity in the brain can act in the same way as the pharmacology. And I'm going to do some more research about it. But having been quite distinctly hostile, I'm moving into the sort of undecided at the moment. What about you, Mark?
4: Uh, I, I'm in the same camp because I don't want to do anything that makes my voice worse. And I don't think I actually need it yet. But Paul does look better. But I'm, I'm intrigued by how it works and what it does. And I'm going to do a bit more research into it. Yeah. So i in a better place to make some decision if it does come to it.
1: Gillian, you were obviously a huge advocate for it. Just, just sum up why.
2: Yeah. I mean, huge advocate is actually even that, putting it mildly. Because in my case, it was miraculous. You know, it saved my life, I think. I was in so much pain. It was intolerable, the pain I was in. And the moment I had the operation, it stopped. It just stopped. It was incredible. My hands, for example, were so clenched like that all the time, and I just couldn't unclench them. And after the operation, did a. When they switched it on, they just unclenched like that. So for me, it has been really a lifesaver, very literally. It's allowed me to halve my medication. Well, for me, my movement's better. And of course, mine was four years ago. So now it's beginning to, you know, in in the background, the illness itself is progressing. And so it's, you know, it's not able to hide as much of the illness as it did before. And it's not really curing anything, obviously. It's just masking the symptoms again. But it masks them very well in my case, certainly.
1: Finally, Paul, give us your overall verdict and how would you advise the rest of us?
2: Well,
0: I, I would advise you to, to research it, if you like, to find out what you can about it, but have a go. I mean, it's knocked the illness back a bit, as far as I'm concerned, which has been fantastic. And it, Because it didn't part from anything else, it enables me to spend more time with my grandchildren I think, or will allow me to spend more time with my grandchildren before the later stages kick in, as it were. It's encouraged me to take up new things. I tried walking football yesterday for the first time in my life. Very good. It was fantastic. I mean, it wasn't really walking football. Some people ran around, some people walked, some people could barely move at all. Well, I
3: mean, that's another example of how it's, it's had this extraordinary, almost. Gillian used the words miraculous, but it's it has it is extraordinary to see how improved you are.
0: Yes, and it's given me the energy to do all those things I thought I'd never do again, like emptying the bins, hoovering the house, cleaning the car, cleaning the windows. Loading and unloading loading the dishwasher, scrubbing the toilet.
1: I'm not having it then. <laughs> Definitely. All <not> right then.
2: <laughs> Mine doesn't work that way at all, I'm afraid. No.
1: Well, that's all for this very special edition of Movers and Shakers. But get ready. Series three is coming with all sorts of fascinating new subjects and guests. Look out for us in uh, somewhere in mid February, I think, wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Movers and Shakers with me, Rory Kathleen-Jones, and my friends Gillian Lacey-Solomar, Mark Mardell, Paul Mayhew-Archer, Nicholas Mostyn and Jeremy Paxman. The show is produced by Nick Hilton for Poddo. Our theme music is by Alex Stobbs and cover artwork by Till Lucat. Thanks again to Boardwave for their support. Please subscribe to get new episodes straight into your podcast app and do rate and review if you've enjoyed the show we're also on twitter at movers and six that's movers and the number six so please share the show there and email any thoughts or questions to feedback at movers and shakers see you next week